Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be here with you today, talk with you about attachment-related things. <sighs> it's absolutely my favorite thing. And then my other favorite thing is Pacific Daylight Savings Time. Wait, it's not called Pacific Daylight Savings Time. <laughs> Lol. It's just called day- Daylight Savings Time, but I am in the Pacific Time Zone. And so in my brain, I put those two things together. And I made them into one and I called it Pacific Daylight Savings Time. And I love that I did that. Uh, No, but I love Daylight Savings Time. The time only changed like a month ago and it's 630 and it's still sunny outside and makes me so happy. So I'm just feeling super grateful for warmer weather, (laughs) longer days and some sunshine. It feels so good. It's been a really wet winter. So it does feel like a lot of emerging is happening right now from a dark, wet, long, cold winter. Yeah. That's me complaining about living in Northern California. I know I'm very privileged. I will say that. But yeah, so that's making me happy. I always like to talk about that. I always like to share those things. I think it's important. And what I am going to talk to you about today, very excited for this, is breakups. I, every time that I hear someone has gone through a breakup, I say congratulations. And I know for some of you, that is not where you are. So don't, you know, just take that with a grain of salt. Eventually you're going to get to the congratulations. You're not there yet. But the reason that I say congratulations, is because when two people break up, it means that it wasn't working. And one person decided to be bold and brave and courageous, end it in order to move on so that both people could heal and become better versions of themselves and move on to partners that they're willing to take the next step with and be a better version of themselves. I've just seen too many couples that are still together just because of time and maybe because of kids or their circumstances. I just heard recently, oh my gosh, this is a great example of someone that I know who'd been in a a long-term relationship and her partner had a growing addiction. And the addiction was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And he was like asking her to help her with it. And she would, which is enabling and part of codependency. And that's a really big topic, actually, in what I teach. But it was also like, it's really unsexy to ask your partner to like help you like heal from your addiction. You know what I mean? So he he was asking her to be like, I need you to stash this from me so that I don't use this weekend. And then she would she would stash it for him. And then he would just go buy more. So this is something that I have done (laughs) with my own habits. And so I'm not trying to judge him at all. Please do not misunderstand me. I'm not at all judging him for an addiction. I myself have struggled with nicotine addiction. I smoked cigarettes for most of my life. I abused my relationship with alcohol 
from the age of 13. It's been a long time addiction. So I have so much empathy for people that are struggling with those types of things. So I'm not, no judgment at all. But I will say that to be in a relationship with someone that is asking you to do that stuff, it's like very unsexy. Like you don't, you know, it kind of almost puts you in this like parental relationship with someone as opposed to an equal, which is what what you want to be in partnership with. So after this couple, the the my friend decided to finally break up with this guy, as soon as she broke up with him, he immediately healed his addiction and started dating someone else. And you just have to wonder. Was it the relationship that prolonged the addiction or made the addiction worse because he was so unhappy in other areas of his life? He turned towards numbing to help like ease the day. And I just, you know, it's so, and, and there's a few things here. Like I wish that he had just done the breaking up instead of just turning towards an addiction. Like, you know, buckle up, like do the hard thing. But also, I'm so glad that that relationship is over. And that's why I say congratulations because it wasn't working. They were not moving forward together. They weren't showing up as their best selves. So that's why I say congratulations. So if you are here and you're on a fresh breakup, whether or not you did the breaking up or you were broken up with, I don't care which side of the equation you're on. It is so hard. It is so hard. I have so much compassion for you. I've gone through it myself. It is the most, honestly, probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And uh, there's so much good stuff for you on the other side. So I'm going to help you. I mean, I'm going to try and help you a little bit to move on or move forward after a breakup. And I, if you're into attachment style and you know your attachment style, doesn't matter which attachment style you are. I'm going to cover all the attachment styles today on how you deal with breakups and how to heal to move forward. There are a few things I'm going to talk about that relate to all attachment styles. So fear not, I got you covered. And if you're like, what is my attachment style? I highly recommend going back and listening to episode 102, where I break down all the different attachment styles. And I also have a free quiz on my website. So just go to sarahcohan.com, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com. And there's a little pop-up, but you can also just click the button that says free attachment quiz. Once you know your attachment style, come on back here. We'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty of what is going on with your breakup. Okay. So I want to add that I recently hosted a Reddit AMA forum in the attachment theory group. It was exhilarating. There was a lot of questions. There was a lot of ups and downs. And I thoroughly just really enjoyed talking to people that had so many wonderful attachment questions. And the reason why I'm talking about this topic today is actually because so many people asked me questions about breakups. They were asking why they hurt, even if they were the one that did the breaking up. They were asking about how different attachment styles deal with breakups. They were asking about when it's okay to communicate with your ex and why is your ex blocking me? So I just want to say that that was the inspiration for this episode. And I'm going to try to answer those questions as well. Okay. So how are the different attachment styles with breakups? The anxious in a breakup, it feels like the end of the world. Because you prioritize relationships over anything else, over needs and boundaries and sharing, sharing your communication, it is, it 
does feel like the end of the world to disconnect from someone to no longer have a close connection with them. And it's really hard. Anxious, really anxious, preoccupied really tend to deal with feelings of um, being alone, sadness. And so a breakup can bring on these feelings, whether you were doing the breaking up or whether someone else broke up with you all of a sudden what's happening is you are connected to somebody and they were meeting so many of your needs so quickly and so efficiently and in such a wonderful way all of a sudden they're no your needs are no longer being met and you're losing that connection it's really 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 hard and i say this all the time but i'm going to say it again anxious preoccupieds really struggle with meeting their own need for attention and approval. So in a relationship, oftentimes they're getting their need for attention and approval met through their partner. Another wonderful question that I just saw in um, in a Reddit forum about anxious attachment, I swear this is not a commercial for Reddit, but I'm just, I'm on, I'm on the forums. (laughs) Um, Another great question I just read in there was, I'm dating someone new. My attachment system is totally dysregulated, which I talked about in last week's episode, 107. And, or sorry, 108. And I have all my hobbies and everyone just tells me to like focus on your hobbies, but I can't, like I physically can't. can't. And the reason for that is you might be doing a hobby that is helping your creative needs or your need for like novelty. But really what the person's need, like when you're hanging out with a new person, what's happening is they're meeting for your need for attention and approval. And maybe they're also needing for emotional connection and physical connection. So when they're meeting all these needs for you, what's happening when you're breaking up is they're detaching and all of a sudden you have to meet all of these needs on your own. And so you're going to go into like, overdrive, reaching out to everyone that you know, probably your parents, if you're in a relationship with them, friends, maybe exes, you're going to reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out because you have this like huge need that's not being met. And so understanding your needs is the first key to success to start to heal. But before I get into how to heal, I'm also going to get into how the avoidant deals with a breakup. So avoid uh, dismissive avoidant in a breakup, they actually retreat and this is their comfortable place to be. The dismissive avoidant can be a little bit aloof about why the other person is so upset during a breakup. And it's really truly their, their subconscious com- comfort zone to be alone. And so they might still try to communicate, but likely they're just ghosting in their own worlds and hurting. It doesn't mean that they're not hurting. It means that they're trying to soothe on their own, which is how they were taught to do as a kid or how they weren't taught to do. Basically, they're hyper-independent and expecting to meet their own needs. They don't want to be a burden on anyone else. They don't want to be too much. And so they might have just completely ghosted on all communications, which if you're breaking up with someone that's doing that, it can be very confusing, especially if you are looking for closure. That can be really difficult to find with a dismissive avoidant because they're already like they are licking their wounds in the best way that they know how and not communicating is the safest thing that they know to do. So dismissive avoidance tend to deal with a lot of feelings of rejection and shame and feeling dysfunctional, like feeling like 
like a reject model. <laughs> it's a weird way to say it, but it, it, it try to, in trying to get at the idea that they have an I am defective wound. So when they are going through a breakup, this wound is really triggered, which really accentuates them pulling away. So if you find yourself as an avoidant pulling away, I'm going to get into how to meet your needs and how to start to communicate with other people so that you're not just like this floating island that's just drifting apart from everyone, okay? But before I do that, of course, I want to get into the fearful avoidant in a breakup. So look, fearful avoidance, we are hot and cold. We are up and down. We are flip floppy. We are foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. <laughs> um, they're my favorite. I resonate so much with this attachment style. But, and so during a breakup, you might notice yourself flipping from either the anxious mode of um, needing that instant connection and attention and approval, or you might be going into dismissive avoidant land where you're disappearing from the world. So take a look at the two different ways that the anxious and the avoidant is reacts to a breakup and see which one that you're resonating with more. Again, I will say, Normally, I have a third option for how a, a fearful avoidant should heal from a breakup. But in this case, they're really like you can just look towards the anxious or the avoidant to heal from a breakup. And I will also say, too, that a fearful avoidant has a high need for a personal growth because um, you dealt with so much trauma and there is, oh my gosh, just a lot to heal from. Once you start healing you and you find relief, that can become like th- this amazing superpower. Of your, you're just like, okay, more and more and more and more and more. So I would look at this breakup as a wonderful experience to start to get to know yourself better. Because that's, I mean, I remember... Okay, this is a total side tangent, but go on this journey with me. Okay, so I was obsessed with the show on HBO, Euphoria. And in the show, they did a wonderful Christmas special during COVID. It was like a one-off where Rue, the main character who has an opioid addiction, talks with her sponsor in, I think she's in Narcotics or Anonymous, but it might also just be AA. And the her sponsor and her have this like wonderful relationship. And they talk to the waitress who's also been through the AA program. And they're saying basically she needs to break up with her partner because when you're healing, like you're going through so much shit (laughs) that you got to do it on your own. Like it's an important thing to do on your own. Now, I don't actually believe that if you're in relationship with someone else and you're healing, go for it. If it's working, Rock on with your bad selves. Like you do not need to be single to do this work. I really don't believe that. But if you are going through a breakup, you are now given this beautiful, magical time. And I'm not being sarcastic when I say that. I truly mean this. This is magical time to get to know yourself even better. And for the fearful avoidant, it's special time for you to develop your self-trust, your relationship to yourself, to show yourself that you love yourself and you care about yourself. Okay, so let's get in to how to move forward from a breakup. Okay, number one, I'm a broken record on this. 
but you need to figure out how to meet your own needs. So let's start with the anxious. I already mapped out a little bit about what needs are being met in a relationship, but get really clear. What needs was this person meeting? Were they meeting my attention needs, my approval needs, my need for fun, my need for laughter? Uh, Were they an incredible cook and they would nourish me every day and now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not even eating anymore. Get really, really, really clear about this. And this is true for the dismissive avoidant as well. Were they meeting your needs for autonomy and freedom? Were they meeting your needs for learning? And if so, how can you meet those needs on your own? And you got to get so creative about this. The first thing I'll say is cook yourself dinner. Just cook yourself a meal. And if you think to yourself, I don't have time for a meal, then I want you to cook yourself two meals. That's how badly you need to cook yourself a meal. And maybe that can be from Blue Apron. It doesn't, it can be a meal kit, right? But you need to be able to make time for yourself. If you're going around and staying busy, and this is what my mom does all the time, it drives me crazy. (laughs) You're going around staying busy, just going from one thing to the next, 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 and you don't even have time to feed yourself. This is a red flag that you need to start to take care of yourself. If you can't take care of yourself, then it's not a good idea to get into a relationship because you're going to start to expect that other person to take care of you. And then when they start to realize what's happening and that you can't take care of yourself and then you go through another breakup, again, you're going to be left in the same place where you have to take care of yourself on your own. And it's just, it's time to start to heal that. It is time to now do that on your own. So slow down. especially speaking to you, the anxious, anxious, preoccupied and the fearful avoidant, slow down, understand what your needs are and try to get them met. And this is a journey. This isn't like a quick fix. Okay. I I cook myself dinner tonight and I'm done. This is okay. This week I really needed some uh, attention to myself. So what I did was I did a journal practice every single night right before bed. And this is how it felt. Now I want to tweak it a little bit. I really liked that I was giving myself attention in the evening, but I think I need more throughout the day. So I'm going to add a morning check-in where I do a body scan while I'm waiting for my coffee to be made or my coffee to brew. So that way I'm, I'm giving myself attention in the morning and I'm giving myself attention in the evening. And then the next week, I'm going to check in to see how that went. And this is week after week after week. It takes 21 days to make a new neural pathway in your brain. So it's going to take 21 days for you to build this trust with yourself to meet this need on your own. So meet your needs. That is the number one, one first most important step. For dismissive avoidance, I think that get really creative about what needs were that person was meeting for you. And I know that emotional connection is actually a deep need for you. So try to figure out how to think of emotional connection as a safe thing to have. Journal on that. Think about that. Try to devise a sort of exposure plan to reaching out to your existing friends. Maybe you only have one friend. That's okay. That's all you need. Reach out to that one friend when you're going through that breakup and try to communicate with them as much as possible. Okay. 
So meeting your needs, get creative about them. The next one is to schedule a date, a weekly date with yourself. And I have to credit Susan J. Elliott for this one. She wrote this a wonderful book called Getting Past Your Breakup. It got me passed through an incredible breakup. Incredible, like really intense breakup almost 10 years ago. Wow, that's so wild. Anyway, I I mean, I did so much research on this because it was so hard for me to go through a breakup because my needs were getting met in so many different intense ways and I didn't understand what was happening. So take yourself on a date weekly. My weekly dates were going on bike rides because I found so much like bike rides were meeting my need for freedom and adventure and discovery. And it was in physical, physical, um, like physical health. It was so fun. So I would plan a weekly bike ride where I would go some somewhere like totally new. And I also have a high need for comfort. So, I would, and just, you know, again, discovery. So I would go and plan like a new coffee shop to go try or a new pastry shop to go try. And I'd go there on my bicycle and I would just take in the views, take in the weather and have so much fun on the bike ride. And I never missed a date with myself. That is so important. Especially you, anxious, preoccupied, I want you to listen. If you cannot hang with yourself on a date with yourself, I really want you to question whether or not you're actually ready to get back out there and start dating. Because, again, you need to be able to spend time with yourself in order to spend time with other people. So, dismissive avoidant, if you're listening to this, like you're probably like, yeah, I can do that. That's super easy. And what I'd want to challenge you to do is just make it a little bit more fun. Like you probably got like your routine down. You've got your day mapped out. Like I want you to make it fun. How can get creative during your self date? And how can you show yourself so much love and approval on your self date? Make it fun. And again, fearful avoidant, listen to the two sides, see what resonates for you. Okay. And then after you're like taking yourself on a weekly date, then what I want you to start to do is to reach out to friends. Now, if you're anxious, preoccupied, you're probably like way past me. You're already reaching out to all the friends. You're reaching out to everyone constantly. This is mainly for the dismissive avoidant. I want you to get creative about asking your friends to hang out with you. Because when you're doing this, you're doing exposure therapy on communicating with friends, communicating needs, communicating vulnerability. And just even the simple task of reaching out to a friend and inviting them to do something is an important form of healing for the dismissive avoidant because it's so hard. It's so difficult. I totally get it. I totally, totally, totally get it. So if that feels like totally outside of the realm right now, like you can't even think about asking a friend to hang, what I want you to do is just Think about how you would ask a friend to hang out with you. You don't even have to do it. Just picture it in your mind. Do a little visualization exercise. Think about your why. Why do you want to hang out with them? And then get really comfortable with the feeling of rejection because that is when you're avoiding asking people to hang out, what's happening is you're protecting yourself from this feeling of rejection. 
And now I know I'm saying that so casually, just get comfortable with a feeling of rejection. And I know how hard it is. I know how hard this is. So there is a free tool on my website. It is a somatic feelings meditation. It's eight minutes long and it'll help you. You can use whatever feeling you want to, any uncomfortable feeling that you're struggling with or that you're going through right now. You can use this meditation to start to feel this feeling of rejection. Go slow and please, 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 please work with a therapist, work with a professional, work with a coach. I can help you through this. Like I would love to help you through this. This is the hardest thing for a dismissive avoidant. And so I want you to go very very slow and be so gentle on yourself when you're starting to feel your feelings because it can be so scary and so vulnerable and it just wasn't safe. It was not safe for you growing up. So I want you to go slow, be gentle, be gentle, work with a professional. And it's totally worth it because once you start to feel feelings, then um, you'll be totally comfortable reaching out to friends and asking them to hang out with you. And if they can't make it, that's totally fine. And I'm going to go, you know, ask this other person to do it because they're available or, or whatever. And then once you're hanging out with them, you're going to start to be vulnerable with them. I know my anxious preoccupies right now are like way past you. I'm already on it. But don't forget this important resource that you have. Some of my clients who run a little bit more anxious and when they're triggered, they're highly activated. They forget that they need to reach out to friends and how wonderful it feels for them to be listening to them and giving them connection. It's such an important tool. And anxious preoccupied can just forget about it. So don't forget about it. Use it as a resource. And it's really important as you're going through a breakup that you are making new friends. And this is for both atta- all attachment styles. It's really important to make new friends that didn't know you as a couple. And the reason that I say that is when you are going through a breakup, what happened is you, when you were in that relationship with that person, in a way, you almost created this second identity. So you had your own identity, your partner had their identity. Oh yeah, I guess I should say a third identity. So you had your identity, your partner had their identity, and then together you created this third identity. And it's almost like this very spiritual thing when you are in a relationship and this third identity act in the world as that person, as the partner of that person. And all of a sudden when you're going through a breakup, that identity is now gone. And it can be really hard. What I've seen with friends and what, oh my God, I did this so much. So when I was going through my breakup about 10 years ago, I just, uh, I felt like people were choosing sides, which is bullshit. Like some people were, yeah, but like some people weren't. They were just going about their daily life. <laughs> and I was making up all these stories in my brain. I'm like, oh, they didn't reach out to me this weekend, probably because they're friends with my ex or they really want to see my ex be successful and they like don't care about me. Like I had all of these stories about our friends, our mutual friends, and how they weren't supporting me through the breakup. Because of that identity crisis, I used to be someone with a partner and now I'm not. And I felt, you know, a little bit like a victim. And I felt like, because I was one that had done the breaking up, I felt like I felt a lot of guilt actually 
for doing, being the one that did the breaking up. And my partner tried to get back, or my ex, sorry, tried to get back to me with me for a really long time, like at least a year afterwards. So I had to really hold my ground and like consistently ask for no contact, consistently say, I'm not interested in getting back together. I was tested a lot. (laughs) And so, and he ran just for the record, he did run a little bit more avoidant, which meant that I was a little bit more anxious in that relationship. So I think it was, he was very slow to react to the reality of the breakup and really did not understand my need for no contact. I'm going to get into that in just a second. But yeah, so what I'm trying to say here, the most important thing is finding new friends that didn't know you as a couple will help you to get back to your first identity with yourself. And this self that is no longer in this relationship with this other person. So it just really helps you to solidify like who you are and having people see you single and independent and like standing on your own two feet as who you are is so incredibly important. Like so important. So you can get creative on how to do this. What I did was I signed up for a bunch of improv classes and that became my hobby for years. Uh, It was so fun. But you can, you know, just sign up. Honestly, go sign up for a class. (laughs) COVID's over. Go just go do it. You can do an online class if you want to. But show up and actually talk to people. Go to a networking event. Just go, just go to something where there's going to be talking and it's going to be awkward. I know it's going to be hard. Again, if you're dismissive avoidant, you're going to have to create an exposure plan and you're going to have to do baby, 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 baby steps for this. Work with a professional, work with a coach. I'm a broken record on that. But it is possible for you to make new friends and it is possible for you to be vulnerable. Okay, so that's how, these are the like four things that I recommend to do to move on from your breakup. Now I want to get into these questions from the Reddit about when is it okay to communicate with your ex and why is my ex blocking me? So I just want to offer, if your ex has asked for no communication, respect that. Really respect that. That is a secure thing to do. A secure thing to do is to honor someone's needs. And if they are saying, I just really need space. I'll let you know when I'm ready, you know, but please do not contact me before that. Listen to them. They're not lying. They're not making that up. They're not testing you. That just take it for face value what they are saying because they need space and trust that they will be able to reach out to you when they are actually ready. And when they do reach out to you, do not assume that that means that they want to get back together. Do not hold out hope for getting back together. Work on yourself. Focus on what your needs are. Focus on how you could have showed up better in that relationship. Focus on like what type of person you're looking for in a relationship. Do not worry about them. They are, they got themselves. They need to stand on their own two feet and they will let you know when they're ready to to have contact. And even when they are ready to have contact, I would still ask them, what does that mean when the no contact rule is over? What type of contact would they be comfortable with? And again, respect what they're asking for. And then the last question, why is my ex blocking me? Here's the deal. When you're going through a healing space, when you're healing from a breakup, 
sometimes having instant access to your ex is actually more harmful than good. And that's why I really recommend no contact after a breakup. It's what I needed. Some people can do it. I fully support that. Some people can be best friends after a breakup. I fucking love that. That is my life goal. I'm not there yet. (laughs) But having instantaneous access to my ex just made it too close to comfort for me to actually move on from that relationship. Because I didn't want to get back together. I wanted to keep moving forward. I wanted to follow my gut and understand why my gut was like saying this isn't working. And now I'm in a beautiful marriage with a man that I deeply, deeply love and respect who makes me laugh every single day. So I'm so grateful that 10 years ago, Sarah made that very tough decision to move on and then started working on herself because the life that I have built and the things that I do now, holy moly, I didn't even know they were possible. It's just amazing. I mean, he's opened up my life to festivals and Burning Man and like uh, psychedelic healing. And I have just been on an incredible journey and it's been amazing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I really, really appreciate it. So just know that something better is out there for you. Heal yourself. Take this time to get to know yourself because this is sacred time, really special, sacred time. And this too shall pass. <laughs> I fucking hate it when people say that time heals all. Um, but it's true. And you know, actually, for my single anniversary, I got a tattoo on my arm. And I told the artist that made it, I wanted something to symbolize the passing of time and how how rough it can be, but how beautiful it can be. And he actually drew this like kind of rough, raw shape of a crystal, like a gem. And on my single varsary, I got a tattoo of it on my arm. And I look, I mean, when I look at that tattoo, I just think of how powerful I am, truly. It's so powerful. I can change my life. I can have whatever I want. So, okay, I'm going to get off my coaching soapbox. I hope that's super helpful for you. If you are interested in working with me to help you through your breakup, I am available. I would love to help you with this. Sometimes breakups can really activate our attachment system. So it's a, it's a great time to work with an attachment coach. I would love to help you heal your attachment, whether that means getting more vulnerable and figuring out how to make friends for the dismissive avoidant or for the anxious preoccupied and the fearful avoidant to figure out how to self-attune and build self-trust and really be there for yourself. It's such fun work. If you're interested in working with me, you can go to sarahcohan.com forward slash coaching. My website again is S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash coaching. All right. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thank you.